My name is Scott Chaloner and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on a very bleak spring morning here in the capital as the rain pours down, but hopefully joining us on the show today to add a little bit of warmth and brightness to affairs is Carmen Gardy, the Managing Director at Care Signature Christian Home Care Services. Uh, Care Signatures is a domiciliary care provider working with local authorities to deliver care in the community for vulnerable adults as well as clients with complex healthcare needs and disabilities. Um, Carmen, very warm welcome to yourself, of course, and by all means, thank you for joining us on the uh, the program it's a real pleasure having you thank you so much and i'm glad to be here as well yeah it's a real pleasure and um obviously you've been with uh, care signature for i think it's around about six years now haven't you and since then you've sort of really helped sort of bolster its partnerships with several local authorities that you're working with um i've obviously yeah. provided kind of a brief outline of what it is that you actually do but in your own words what sort of services does your organization provide Um, Our services provide several different types of um, care. We support individuals with complex health needs and disabilities and work together with uh, local councils um, and local NHS um, to support individuals who may be discharged from hospital. Um, People might have complex health needs such as disabilities, brain or stroke injuries, mental health um, difficulties, um, dementia, um, cognitive impairments. There's quite a few um, needs that individuals have, and it just varies upon what is required um, you know, in terms of, of different levels of support, really, for them people. Yep, certainly makes sense from my perspective. And you're working in an industry as well, which has had its fair share of challenges, I think it's fair to say, over the uh, the last couple of years, not least with the COVID-19 situation. Um, I think it would be remiss of us not to talk about that. So how operationally has that sort of affected you over that period of time? I think um, the, the impact COVID has had has had um, I would say quite an impact on it, all of the healthcare industries financially. Um, mm. That's one area which I would say because during COVID nineteen, everybody went into special measures, in, including local authorities and you know NHS, where they would um, do um, a, a thing where they would pay the care companies um, in advance for the clients they currently had. That was at the start of, of the pandemic. But then during the pandemic, obviously, there was a huge influx of, of clients and who were discharged because they didn't want to keep them in the hospitals. They didn't want um, to have any risk of, of COVID and it would have been better for them to be isolated at home. So domiciliary care companies had taken on quite a lot of work, but then had to wait for, that, for the, for the um, financial side to be um, to be backed up because we were only being paid on the current clients when COVID started. So them clients only got paid for later on mm. um, once COVID the pandemic had gone down. Um, and I think the thing is is that that you know the PPEs and and also the regulations. You know we had to do a lot of work behind um, COVID, including BAME BAME risk assessment. Mm. Um, we had to do a lot of work around making sure that our people who were in the community were also protected. Look, bearing in mind everybody was in their houses at this time and we were still out there, Mm. you know, so it was was a tough time for everyone. And and I think as well them having 
the fear of knowing that so many people had passed away from COVID and we were out there hands-on. Um, it was quite difficult to keep encouraging the staff team through that time, you know, re- making mm. them reassurance, especially if they'd lost family members who were close to them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's um, it is difficult, isn't it? When you know there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of anxiety to kind of maintain morale in a crisis situation such as that, isn't it? And uh, yeah. um, I suppose that was obviously a huge challenge for yourselves. And um, what lo- widely in the uh, the care industry as well, a lot of care providers have had a lot to say about the um, the double vaccinated policy, the no jab, no job. I know, of course, that decision has now been reversed, but not before a lot of care providers had to jettison large numbers of staff who didn't want the vaccination is that something that you found yourselves having to deal with or have you not been directly affected by that well it was mainly during that period of time it was the care homes Mm. um, and that had come in in place for care homes rather than domiciliary care so Mm. on our side a lot of the people who were working in care homes came for jobs in domiciliary because our requirements were not set yet um but to be honest with you it was it was a bit of a confusing time because, you know, everyone was, was clapping for the for our for key workers and saying how wonderful they are and how work you know hard working they've been through this period. And next thing they're all get you know they're getting rid of them. So you know I can't imagine how they would feel in terms of still wanting to work in the care sector after feeling undervalued during a time that they were risking their lives. Yeah, when you talk about undervaluing. I think there's a lot to be said about that in the government's visa policies when it comes to recruiting into the care industry from abroad because it's considered a non-skilled industry when the reality of that is completely different on the ground, isn't it? You need a lot of soft skills and indeed a lot of practical skills to work in the care sector. A hundred percent. And the the level of training that we've got to provide to staff around things such as cathedral cares, doma cares, um, making sure that medications are administered, especially, you know, in the community, they can be controlled drugs. You know, they, they are very, very skilled. If you were to ask, you know, someone now who's not been trained to try and do them tasks, you know, it, it, it is true. They are skilled workers. They're highly skilled workers. And it also takes them to be able to have effective communication skills. And, I mean, not everybody has that. You know, the compassion and empathy that healthcare workers possess is beyond... A lot of professions so i would say that in itself is a skilled a skilled trade a skilled work really yep i certainly would um, agree with that and um just because it's been mentioned already uh, the word funding when it comes to sort of social care i think it's important that we do touch on that because um we're now out of covid uh, we've got um obviously and huge sort of treatment backlog social care crisis and the government's sort of solution for that was to increase national insurance through the new health and social care levy to try and get more funding into the industry but of course there have been a huge amount of concerns around that how it's hitting working people and whether there will be enough money left aside in the pot for social care and um, what are your thoughts on that yourself Carmen? Um, I think it's a little bit disappointing that you know, that the healthcare industry has to suffer. You know, they, they're the ones who've really been the backbone during this time of the pandemic. Mm. Um, and now everyone is having to, you know, feel the lashes from, you know, from that. And right now it's, it's going to be disheartening. This is why nobody, you know, or there are a lot of people now who are reduced in wanting to work in the healthcare industry. You know, this is why now they've opened visas to say people from abroad can come here because, 
they're recognizing that individuals here are just tired of the same, you know, the same problems that they're experiencing, you know, and it's, you know, it's about us then having to retain, retain others, um, you know, retain these other workers who may, may be coming from abroad as well and having to set up accommodation and making sure that they're comfortable before they even start caring in the community. You know, it's having a big impact on a lot of services. It is, isn't it? And obviously where care sector rates um, sort of in terms of remuneration aren't as competitive as some other industries, where maybe you might have seen a lot of cares, carers leave the sector during the no jab, no job policy time, they may well have found another job, say, in a supermarket, in the retail sector, for instance, and they may well now be lost to the care industry forever, have all of the skill sets and may never to return because they're tired of the working conditions and they're tired maybe of not being paid maybe the salary they feel they deserve. Yeah, I agree 100%. And that's, that's a lot that happens and, and it is very, very disappointing. I think there's also the other side of things, such as we are the private sector um, and, you know, we like for, we put money into supporting um, other people, for example, to come to the country and um, to work in the communities. And then what happens is once we've then paid the visa fees and paid everything for them to come here, set them up, they, they'll then apply for a job, for example, into the NHS. And then we've then lost that, that you know, that uh, person to now the government, which, you know, there's nothing, there's no fail safe to say, well, if you come in here, you come in to work for this company and, and, and cannot be moved from one com- company to the next. You know, in that, I would say that is quite a difficult thing that we've experienced as well. Mm. And visa costs are hardly cheap, are they, as well? So uh, that is a no. cost that has to be absorbed by the business and to lose out in such a manner as well in the aftermath of that, it, it must feel incredibly disappointing. It is, it is, because, you know, you go through the recruitment, even the 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 cost of recruitment, cost of administration costs, processing, lawyers' fees, there's all of that which are involved in it. Um, it's not a short process and including, you know, an annual payment of the sponsorship license and then, you know, there's there's nothing there to say, okay, this person needs to stay with this company and because all right now you know that there's there's the financial difficulties that the council and the and the government are experiencing so this also impacts on private sectors as well um because of 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 their payments or um what their rises as well because we know like the the minimum wage has gone up but the to to bridge the gap of that you know from what the increased rises were really Mm. doesn't cover anything it really doesn't cover anything so it really doesn't impact on us all really it does, yeah, and it seems to be these fine details that are often overlooked um, sort of from the government point of view, isn't it? And So if um, we were to say hypothetically, Carmen, that maybe you were in Sajid Javid's shoes and you were the health secretary for a day, what are some of the big things that you'd sort of do on day one to really try and address the situation and make it better for sort of care providers such as yourselves, if anything? Um, I would possibly look at the distribution of funding that's one of the main things, really. Um, some areas are higher need than others. Um, you know, we, and, you know, there's um, it's about bridging the gap of in health inequalities. And, like, we've got several contracts across the country. Mm-hmm. So we've seen, for example, we're in Leeds, um, in York, Harrogate, and then we've also got contracts in Ipswich and Birmingham. 
But then when we see the rates that the healthcare workers are being paid within different areas, it you know, some areas are quite high, some areas are very, very low where actually nobody wants to work and that's where they're struggling because the councils need to be able to pay people a fair or pay companies fairly so we as a sector, private sector can pay our workers fairly. So then we are then going to refuse to pick up work um, because you're not pay- the council not paying us fairly and we can't pay our workers fairly. You know, it's about being fair across the board, I would say. Um, Birmingham is a high, really high um, need area, and yet the rates are very, very low. Um, and therefore, you know, people are not getting the right care that they need really out there, I would say. Yeah, there's a real disparity there, isn't there? And I think you're absolutely right. I think that is something that certainly needs to be looked at. So anybody tuning into this, Sajid Javid in particular, if you do happen to be listening, please do take heed. And um, for yourself, Carmen, as well, uh, just before we sort of wrap up on the uh, the programme, um, we are obviously in sort of a tricky situation at the moment as we you know we're recovering from COVID. Um, there's this sort of huge backlog, huge social care crisis, and we're trying to really get to grips with it. Um, but what's next um, initially over the next 12 months for yourself and your organisation? And how are you going to be trying to kind of chart your own course through this, please? Um, I think being a Christian organisation, our first charter is going through prayer. Mm-hmm. So we hold regular prayer meetings at the office and we just come together and discuss improvements. I think any service requires improvement. Um, it's about looking at what the challenges are there and just creating action plans on on growth and um, ensuring that everybody's needs are met, including the staff. You know, they we you know want to give bonuses and make sure that they feel happy in the job that they're doing. As we've said, you know, people have been lost to other sectors such as you know, supermarkets and, and all of that. And it's about us valuing the staff that we have now and making sure that the care that is delivered is meeting the client's needs. I think the priority is making sure foundations are, um, are laid really solidly in order for us to grow. And I think that's really what we're looking at right now. Mm, absolutely. Great plans there. And uh, do you think as well that even despite the kind of immense difficulty tragedy let's say that we've all sort of lived through over the year the last two years do you think that maybe we've come out of it actually having learned something from this experience of crisis management if we call it that and we've become almost more resilient for having undergone this yes i think so um and i pray that it's it's actually allowed the government to be more prepared in the future if there's anything that does occur like this again um, that, you know, I would say that in terms of, you know, the stocking, they, they prepared organisations with, um, you know, gloves, aprons, masks. Mm. That was excellent because it protected us. Um, and there was a free supply of that, which which I would say is really commendable and really excellent. Um, yeah, and I think we have become stronger through this because we, we're more aware. We know what we need to do and how we need to react. And as managers as well as heads, we know that, right during these times that we would need to be able to encourage staff teams and really look at what measures we're putting in place to protect them support them as well exactly right plenty to be uh, considering and um, like I say I do sort of wish you sort of godspeed and all the luck in the world as well in sort of plowing through this next 12 months and beyond and hopefully sort of continuing to provide those incredible services that you do that are so 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 very important and let's hope as well that we do see some sort of positive traction in terms of policy over the uh, the next few months um, as well because 
obviously things can't go on as they are and things do need to change that is uh, certainly um, a fact and let's just uh, sort of keep our fingers crossed and see what happens definitely definitely thanks so much mm. it's been an immense pleasure carmen as well having you on the uh, the program most enlightening as well just getting a real insight as to sort of what's going on within the industry what's going on within your organization and um also uh, do take care and do stay safe with all still going on in the world as well thank you so much god bless it was a real real pleasure welcoming carmen gaddy managing director at care signature christian home care services onto today's program and i do hope that everybody tuning in thoroughly enjoyed the interview um if you are a care sector leader as well and you do have your own story over the last two years or current affairs to share with us here at the leaders council then by all means we do also want to hear from you so why not also apply to be on the program via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply um, until next time, to every single one of our regular listeners, you have been listening to the Leaders' Council podcast with your host, Scott Chaloner. Please do take care and goodbye.